0: 1 Corinthians chapter 15 beginning with verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed." The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is. Is not in vain in the Lord. Be ye steadfast, unmovable. I'm committed. Regardless of what comes my way, I'm not going anywhere. I'm steadfast, I'm not moving. Whatever they preach at another church isn't going to deter me. I'm staying right here in the work of the Lord. Clap your hands to the Lord as we give God praise. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do and we receive this word into our spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have no fancy title, but I do have a phrase the Lord dropped in my spirit that I would like to somehow bring out in this text tonight, the secret to success. Perhaps no other word has been thrown around so loosely or given a broader meaning than the word success. It has been accredited to kings and queens, yet used to describe the raunchiest of musicians, singers, and celebrities. Hall of Famers of every sport are called successful, as well as the college star who rises above his peers. A couple celebrating their 50-year anniversary has been called successful, as well as the newlyweds starting their journey in life called successful. The billionaire who lacks nothing as well as the one who just made his first million we call successful. The purchase of a new home for a young couple or the acquiring of a palatial estate by those billionaires, we call them both successful. The picture is quite clear. The term success is overused and underappreciated. My question to you tonight is this, what is success? In searching for the answer to this question, I found some rather humorous opinions expressing ideas regarding success. One man said, success is buying a Mercedes out of petty cash. Some would call that a success. One said a successful man is one with a wife to tell him what to do and a secretary who does it. Another said some people think they are successful if they can file for their Social Security before they file for bankruptcy. Success. Everyone wants to be successful. But not everybody has a clear understanding of what real success is. Can I tell you tonight that real success is not found in money? It's not enjoyed in a mansion. It's not attributed to positions. It's not a Hall of Fame ring, sports statistics that will eventually be forgotten, or platinum albums or sold-out concert. Real success, according to the irrefutable and the unadulterated word of Almighty God, real success is hearing the words, "Well done, thou good and thou faithful." Servant, real success is walking on streets of gold real success is a mansion on the other side real success is worshiping at the feet of Jesus you want to talk about success you talk about making it to heaven that is what God considers a success Paul, the apostle, had a clear understanding of what success was in Colossians. He said, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. He gives us a glimpse into this joyous occasion. In verse number 51, he said, behold, I show you a mystery. You could spend all night talking about this verse. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. He goes on to say, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. What Paul is doing is he is setting the goal before us. He's giving us something to reach for. He is saying if you want to be successful in my own words, "that I'm going to tell you what success really is. Success is making it to heaven. However, Paul understood that the goal alone is not sufficient. And he added one more piece of advice. Knowing that if heaven is possible. It's going to be because they had to fight to get there. It's going to be because they had a determination in their mind. It's not going to be because somebody just gave them a walk through the tulips. It's not going to be because they never had to face hell. It's going to be because they fought and they made it through it. He said this. He said, therefore my beloved brethren. Be ye steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as ye know uh, that your labor is not in vain. In other words, it's going to pay off. Whatever you had to go through when you get back up, it's going to be worth it all uh, when you make it to heaven one day. Hear me, success or heaven is not an accident. It's hard earned. Making it to heaven will not be without trials. And success comes to those who are willing to keep going when everybody else around you is yelling stop. Success. I read a short story earlier this afternoon called Giving Up Too Soon. A man met a guru in the road, and the man asked the guru, which way should I go to achieve success? The robed-bearded sage said nothing, simply pointing to a place in the distance. The man, thrilled by the prospect of quick and easy success, rushed in the appropriate direction when suddenly there came a loud splat. Soon the man limped back, tattered and stunned, assuming he must have misinterpreted the message. He repeated his question to the guru, which way should I go to achieve success? The guru once again pointed silently in the same direction. The man obediently walked off once more. This time the splat was deafening. When the man crawled back, he was bloody, he was broken, He was tattered and he was irate. He said, I asked you which way I should go to achieve success. He said, I followed the direction you gave me and all I got was a splat. No more at this point. I want you to speak to me. Only then did the guru speak and this is what he said. He said, success. Is that way? Just a little past splat. And I tell you tonight if you want to make it to heaven, you gotta say, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, when I get splatted, whenever thing comes against me, be ye steadfast, unmovable, keep going. Now's not the time to give up, uh, but now's the time to say, God, uh, I'm more determined now than ever before. Nothing is easy. What makes us think that making it to heaven is going to be? One person said triumph is a little oomph behind try." And thus it is, we're living for God. Sometimes we got to get back up and say, you know what? I'm not giving up too soon. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm committed to this thing because for my family's sake, for my sake, we're going to make it to heaven. There are three areas of commitment tonight that if you'll allow me the next few moments, I I want to address if we're going to make it to heaven. I believe the first thing we need to be committed to is we need to be committed to our church. Somebody say, this is my church. This is my pastor. These are my brothers and sisters. This is my, I'm not going anywhere. This is my church. Faithfulness and loyalty, hear me, are eroding in society. Don't think it's just in the secular world. It's bleeding over into the church and into the spirit. And faithfulness and loyalty are just vanishing. And if people get a whim to go somewhere, they're going to just up and go. Not thinking about anything except themselves. If they get their feelings hurt, they're just going to up and leave. This is my church. This is where I am growing in God. Let me just tell you this. If I, I'm not a gardener, I don't have a green thumb, but I'm sure somebody, Elder, you'll attest to this. If I take a, a, a plant and I plant it in a pot, and those, those roots start digging in, in that plant, and I just get a whim one day say, I don't like that pot. I'm going to move this plant. And I start taking that plant and I move it to another pot. That I have already lessened the chances of that plant surviving. And then if I get tired of that next pot and I don't like what that pot's doing, And I try to take that plant up again and I move it to another pot because I like this pot better. Then I've already lessened the chances of survival. Pretty soon that plant's gonna die because I didn't like the first pot. I didn't like where it was planted. I didn't like what it had to go through. I didn't like what Pastor preached. I didn't like what Sister So and so said. Come on, somebody. I didn't like the songs they sung. Honey, you better understand if we're gonna survive, I need the church. I need my pastor. I need everybody in here. This is my church. Somebody say, this is my church. I'm not going nowhere. I'll just tell you this. A pastor can't fight every battle by himself. There's got to be some people that are willing to say, amen, pastor. Preach it, pastor. It hurt, but I needed to hear it, pastor. Somebody has to be the one that holds up the hands of the man of God and say, you know what? If we're going to have revival, if we're going to have a breakthrough, it's not going to be him by himself, but it's going to be the church. Somebody clap your hands under the Lord right now. God, what do I do? What do, I do? There was a day. Even when I was a kid, and I'm not that old. If I wanted to miss church, my mom had to see some physical manifestations of me being sick. It hey, was none of this. Oh, mama, I don't feel good tonight. No. You don't feel good? Well, we need to go to church and get you prayed for. We need to take you up front. Oh, mama, I feel, okay. I, I feel good. I'm okay, mama. When they were sick, they were there. When they didn't feel good, they were there. When they were tired, they were there. When they were mad, they were there and they went to an altar and they got glad. They planned their vacation around the church. Everything revolved around why? Because if we're going to make it to heaven, it's going to be because we have a church. I would think twice about my decisions if it affected my church. I would think twice about my plans if it affected my church. Because this is your family. And I know of situations where people moved off with their entire family and didn't get connected to a church, and they're not living for God today. Ever think, I need the church. I need to be committed to my church. I need. You know what? You can be faithful in body without faithful in the spirit. You say, prove it, preacher. I'm going to prove it. i got scripture to back that up. The Bible says, watch this, in Proverbs 11 and 13. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. <laughs> There's people who are faithful in body, but they're not faithful in spirit. Because their words are causing discord in the unity of the church. you got to be faithful in body. But faithful in spirit, you got to understand, when something comes at me, it's probably best if I conceal this matter. I'm going to lock it up. I'm not going to let it leave my lips. I'm not going to sow discord because this is my church. This is a unified body. I'm not going to talk about it if it's going to bring somebody down. I'm committed. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. I'm here day in. I'm here day out. On Sunday, I'm there, Pastor. On Wednesday, I'm there, Pastor. On Saturday, prayer, I'm there. I'm committed to the cause of Christ. The second area I believe we need to be committed is we better be committed to our doctrine. Hear me, our doctrine or our beliefs are not based upon the opinions of men. Rather, they are founded upon the word of God. This is not up for debate. I don't care what society says. I don't care how the church evolves. This word does not evolve. It has stayed. It will stand the test of time. We better be committed to our doctrine. Many have felt it necessary to dilute or separate themselves from the doctrine for the sake of growing a church. But can I tell you, you cannot grow a church apart from doctrine. You're only gathering a crowd. Doctrine is what the church was built upon, the apostles' doctrine. They failed to understand that by diluting or separating themselves from doctrine, They are removing the single most important means whereby heaven is attainable. You can't make it to heaven without believing in the Word of God and having some lines of demarcation in the Word of God. Heaven is not rewarded to those who had great worship services, talented singers, or any of today's must-haves in a church service. But there has to be a doctrine that we believe in. I read this afternoon a quote by William Feather which said, Success, I'll insert the word heaven, is a matter of hanging on after others have let go. Now if that is not a portrait of where we're at in apostolic Doctrine and Pentecost than nothing. Friend, they are are diluting or separating themselves from everything that we once believed in. But it just motivates me to stand in this pulpit even more and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. If you're going to be committed to the doctrine, you better be committed to all of it. All of it. The doctrine, you can't take some of it. It was this same Jesus that said except a man be born of water and of the spirit. He cannot understand that means impossible. That means you can't. There's no way you can get it. I don't care how much money you gave. I don't care what kind of suits you wore. I don't care your mama or your daddy or your grandparents were. If you haven't talked in tongues and if you have been baptized in Jesus' name, then when you get to heaven, you're going to hear, Depart from me. That's what that means. That's what that word cannot means. You have to be born again of water and of spirit or you can't enter in the kingdom of God. Why do you think Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not backing away from it. I'm not going to whisper it. I'll shout it from a hilltop. When everybody else is throwing in the towel, honey, doctrine is what's going to get us to heaven. When Philip Philip came to the eunuch, the Bible said he preached unto him Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The God of the Old Testament robed in flesh. Becoming our Savior as a sacrificial lamb. Sending his spirit on the day of Pentecost. Understand this is not opinion. This is not just a rule book to govern our lives. It's salvation. The Bible says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. Understand with me, I am not fixing a step uh, on outward appearance because I've seen some people that had skirts that swept the floor and sleeves to their thumbs, uh, but they were rotten on the inside. I do believe that what's on the outside needs to be a, an expression of what's on the inside. I, I do believe that holiness starts inwardly. But you know what we have failed to uh, to address and we have failed to seek after and I, I, we need Holiness. What about godliness? Godliness. If we're godly, we'll be holy. But you can be holy without being godly. You can look the part without living the part. I'm talking about doctrine. All of this is doctrine. There's all kinds of doubt, But understand, if we're going to make it to heaven, we need to be committed to the apostolic way. We need to be committed to living this book. I, I know we're not, we're not going to get so extreme on the left or so extreme on the right, but I believe if we keep a pure spirit, God will lead us and guide us uh, into the fullness and the revelation of truth. Uh, and we walk in what God has revealed to us, what the pastor preaches. And what we find, we, we back it up in our own prayer time. Understand, it's if we're going to be committed, We need to be committed to the whole thing, doctrine. We need to be committed to our church. We need to be committed to doctrine. But finally, I believe we need to be committed to apostolic worship. You say, what do you mean we worship? Yeah, we worship here. But understand, just because you see it here doesn't mean it's happening everywhere. And I've been to enough churches to understand that I wonder if anybody in this building has the Holy Ghost because there's no worship. You know what? When we come to the house of God, it, we ought to come with a spring in our step. A blowout service should not be an exception. It ought to be every time we come, we worship, we worship, we worship, we worship. The pastor ought to say, all right, it's time for the preaching of the word because we are worshiping so much. Worship. There has always been a distinction in our worship. You know it, especially years ago, we were labeled as crazy. We were labeled as holy rollers because there was a liberty. In our worship, people would come into our worship services and they would feel the power and the presence of God's church. We better not lose that. But there, today more than ever, there ought to be worship in our service. Somebody ought not have to get up here and say, Worship, 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 because it bleeds over. It's just coming out of us. Worship, apostolic, powerful. Worship. Can I tell you that praise is not predicated upon what we're going through. But praise is predicated upon the one who's bringing us through it. When I'm up, I praise him. When I'm down, I praise him. When I feel good, I praise him. When I don't feel good, I praise him. In good times, I praise him. In bad times, I praise When they talk about me, I'm going to praise him. When they're nice to me, I'm going to. When they sing a song I like, I'm going to praise him. But if they sing something I don't like, I'm going to praise him. I should not allow my bad day to become bad praise. I should not allow what I'm going through to affect what I give to God. Far too often, we come in here weighted down, going through. I know we're, it's part of life. We all go through it. Try preaching when you had a bad day, huh, elder. It's hard, but you understand, my bad day stops at a prayer room. Because when I come to the house of the Lord, there's something bleeding out of my soul. I I can't help but give worship. I I can't help but magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Eha ha to to so co to ta ta to Hallelujah. Let me show you what happens. Keep the spirit of praise, it's called. Let me show you what happens. We get stuck in a realm of begging. As if God doesn't know what we need. And we're blinded by our circumstances. We're blinded by our impossibilities. We're blinded by everything that we're going through that when we do come to church, pastor's preaching his guts out and all we can think about is what we're going through. All we can think about is that check we need by tomorrow to pay whatever it needs to be paid. All all we can think about is what's on our mind, what's blinding us, the possibility. Therefore, whatever he preaches almost falls on deaf ears because even when we do respond to the altar, all we're praying about is that thing we're going through. I'm being real because I was there. I'm still there at times. We get so fixated on something that we forget to worship and praise God. Every, oh, we lift our hands and we, we do all that stuff. But when it's time to really open up, all we open up about is what we need God to do for us. I no don't care what he preaches on. We go through this cycle to where we're just so blinded by something. And we miss an opportunity after opportunity to just worship God in the spirit of truth. The Lord showed me something. In February, in January rather, when I started this, this year, I had two places to preach. I went to this one church. I was only supposed to be there two weeks. And that second week, I didn't have anywhere to go. After that second week, and I, I went to prayer and I spent three or four days pleading with God. Begging God crying for God to do it. I wasted so many prayer times because all I could do, I was so fixated on God, you see this. God, you see. God, I need you to do this. And finally, on a Friday morning, the Lord spoke to me. After I'd been snotting and snorting and crying, he said, why don't you get up and praise me for doing it? I stood up and I went to worshiping and praising and dancing. Nobody in that church and I just I thank God. I thank you for. It. That night, I had to preach that night. That night, a pastor got a hold of me and said, "Man, I had a guy scheduled a year ago to start revival next week. He said he called me today and he canceled. Can you be here? I said I knew something was going to happen because the Lord told me today he was going to open a door. Can I tell you tonight if you'll just stop begging and start praising if you'll just worship him for who he is I promise you God's going to do a work. God I praise you. God I worship you. David said praise him according to his mighty acts. Let everything that had breath If you're breathing, you should be praising. If you're breathing, you should be worshiping. (laughs) Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. I'm committed to my praise. Watch this. David said, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. You know what that tells me? That tells me it takes the word of God and it takes my praise. And there's sometimes I gotta use both of them To overcome what I'm going through. Honey, can I tell you this? If you can learn to praise God in spite of, you can make it through anything the devil throws at you. I don't care what you do around me. I'm going to worship God. I I don't care what they say about me. I'm going to worship God. Oh, let's stand all across this building right now. In the, in, the in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This altar call is going to be a little different, but I want you to hear me because I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost just for a minute. We better be committed to our church. We better be committed to our doctrine. And we better be committed to apostolic worship. Now I'm going to open up these altars, but it's going to be for those who are willing to make the commitment. Understand you're making a commitment to all three dimensions. There's going to be times that things happen that you don't like. There'll be times that things happen you don't understand. But you better remember you made a commitment to the Lord. And you're making a commitment to this pastor. Pastor, I'm not going anywhere. Pastor, I'm staying put right here where God is.